You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Here we are in the month of December and at the beginning of the Christmas season. Is it just me or does it seem like December's come a lot quicker than they used to? Maybe it's that the fact that I'm getting a bit older, but it seems like, man, December was just here and here we are again. But this is the time of year that we, we focus in on the birth of Jesus and the rescue that he brought for humanity. You know, I believe John chapter 3, verse 16 summarizes the Christmas story and the Christmas season. Maybe best of all, where the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son to be miraculously born, to sacrificially die, to bring redemption for mankind, to bring rescue. To bring rescue for, you, for, for yourself, your family, to bring rescue for you, man. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, there's a, a lot of other activities that you're probably going to engage in in the Christmas season, and all those are fun and exciting. There's certainly nothing wrong with the other activities, but this is what I would encourage you to, from the very outset of the Christmas season, is make sure that you keep your focus right. Let us not forget why we celebrate and what we celebrate. John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh, and Jesus became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's what Christmas is all about. Again, that's what we celebrate, and that's why we celebrate within this season. Well, this morning we're launching our Christmas series that we've titled Fear Not. Now, as you think of the Christmas season... There's probably a lot of words you would use to describe that, like joy and love and peace and hope. And certainly Christmas is about all of those. But you usually don't use the word fear when you think about Christmas, like it's not associated with Christmas, right? However, it's interesting as we look to the, uh, specifically the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, when the angels brought the message, the announcement of the birth of the Messiah to the different individuals who would have a specific role to play, there's this recurring phrase that we find in Scripture. When the angels came, they would always say what? Can you say it with me? Fear not. Now, obviously, they were saying fear not because the individual they were sharing the message with was afraid. I mean, they wouldn't have said fear not if, if the individuals were not somewhat taken back, if they were not fearful. Now, personally, myself, I've never seen an angel. I've never been encountered by an angel. Most likely, if an angel were to come to me with a message, I would be afraid, too. He would have to say to me, fear not. Maybe that'd probably be one of those situations I'd wet my pants, right? It's that kind of, just being honest, it's that kind of fear I think would probably be associated. But within the Christmas story, the angels were bringing good news of the birth of Jesus, And they were addressing individuals who had, again, a specific role to play in this redemption story. And this is what the angels knew. And it's why I believe they said fear not. Is they knew that fear could be a limiting factor. They knew that fear could keep the individuals from rightly responding or rightly engaging, rightly participating in that of God's plan that was being played out. Like fear would be, if you will, a limiting factor. And I believe the same is true for us today. What is fear? Fear is an emotion that if goes unchecked can have you retreating from God rather than moving toward God. It's been said that that fear causes spiritual amnesia. I like that. But fear can cause us to forget God, to forget the greatness of God. 
I believe that when fear moves in, most of the time faith moves out. When fear moves in, the situation we're in, um, we actually make it bigger than God. When fear moves in, we lose sight of the greatness of God in the midst of the opportunity or the plan that he's bringing to us or the obstacle that we find before us. So again, fear can become, if it, if it goes unaddressed, a, a limiting factor, have us retreating from God. That's why I believe we have this scripture in 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So again, what we don't want is we don't want to allow fear to keep us from the plans or the future that God has for us. Rather than being full of fear, we want to be those who are full of faith full of faith, embracing whatever it would be that God would have, would have for us. Well, this morning, we want to look to the story of when an angel appears to a teenage girl by, by the name of Mary to announce to her that she would be the one who would have the privilege of giving birth to Jesus, the Messiah. Now, now as we're going to see in the story this morning, Mary had her plans, and she was pretty excited about this future that, that was before her. She had been betrothed to a young man named Joseph. So she is in the process of marriage. So let me explain that a little bit because I think it's significant to the story. In Jewish culture in this time, um, it would be the parents most of the time that would choose who their daughter was going to marry. I like that. If I'm voting... I'm voting for that. My daughter would not be too excited about that, but I think I should have the right to choose. Certainly for Mary, most likely her parents would have chosen this young man by the name of Joseph, a good and godly young man who would be her husband. And so Joseph and Mary are in a state of being betrothed or betrothal. So, so this is a time where Mary and Joseph would have come before a set number of witnesses making their statement, their commitment to each other. And then sometime later, they would actually come together under the same roof as husband and wife. But in this season of betrothal, they were, they were like they were married, though they were not together yet. Matter of fact, if there was, um, if there was an act of adultery during this state of betrothal, um, an individual could be stoned to death because they are seen as husband and wife, though they're not yet together. So, so that's the season that Mary and Joseph are in. And as you can imagine, I mean, Mary's pretty excited about this. There's Joseph. She's thinking about the future, thinking about all that's going to happen, maybe making wedding plans. We, we don't know how this story would actually have played out, but I think there's, there had to be a sense of excitement as to what was ahead of her. Then all of a sudden, God calls an audible. All of a sudden, God brings, brings a change of direction. I mean, as I see this story, Mary's probably going about her daily routines when all of a sudden this angel Gabriel shows up um, and says, hey, God has a, a different plan. Now, she was excited, but how many of you know this would have had to be a little bit scary, a little bit scary for Mary as She's thinking about, well, these are the plans I had, and you're saying this is going to happen. Let's read about it. If you have your Bibles, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to her highly favored. The Lord is with you. Notice verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, Here it is. Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to his son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Notice verse 34. Mary asked, how will this be since I'm a virgin? In other words, we've got a problem here, right? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. Notice verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said, then... Then the angel left her. Talking about getting caught off guard. I mean, here's Mary just enjoying her day, going about her routines, maybe even making wedding plans. And suddenly, Gabriel, the angel, shows up with a message from God. And it's a message, I think, that's both confusing and exciting. The confusing part is, like she's a virgin, she's never had sexual relations with any man, Joseph or any other man, yet she's going to be pregnant. That's a bit confusing. But then I think there's the exciting part, like, wow, what an honor of all the Jewish young women that God would choose me to be the one through which he would birth redemption for the world. But what I want you to see in the story today is is that Mary had her plans laid out for a future that she was looking forward to when all of a sudden God interrupted her plans with a divine opportunity. And here's the deal, folks. I believe he's still doing the same today. Interrupting people's plans with a different purpose, with a different opportunity. Now, obviously, in Mary's situation, God's plan was so much better. I mean, it was about redemption of mankind. But it certainly brought risk for her that generated fear. I mean, I have to believe in the midst of the excitement, there was some fear that Mary was dealing with. Again, the angel said to her, don't be afraid. I mean, think about trying to put yourself in Mary's place. Think about the fear of, like, what am I going to tell my parents? I mean, up to this point in history, there's only one way individuals got pregnant. I don't need to explain that to you, do I? One way. So the appearance is... What? The appearance is that she's been unfaithful. So how do, you, how do you tell your mom and dad that? Or how do you tell Joseph? Hey, Joey, are you sitting down? I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That sounds a little far-fetched, doesn't it? Or what about fear as to what other people would say and think? I mean, in this time, in this culture, a little different than today, if you became pregnant during the state of betrothal, you could be stoned to death for the betrayal, for the unfaithfulness. 
I think there was a, a bit of fear, excitement, but a bit of fear that, that Mary was dealing with. And God was inviting her into something better, even miraculous, better than the plans that she had. But it generated some fear. And again, I believe the same thing happens for us today. Oftentimes, God calls an audible in our lives. And just in case, someone in the first service said I had to Google the word audible. I didn't know what it meant. So let me tell you what the word audible is. It's like a football game's happening. The quarterback has a play. He has a plan. They're going to run this play, this plan. And all of a sudden, he looks at the defense and says, hey, this is not going to work. We're getting ready to lose yardage. So what does he do? He calls an audible. He calls a different play. Oftentimes, God calls an audible in our lives. We have our plans. We have everything set. We think, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. In our limiting, un- limited understanding, we make our plans. And then along the way, God says, no, I've got a course direction I'm bringing for your life. I've got an audible I'm calling. You don't fully understand it, but it's for your good. And let me tell you what it does. It does the same thing for us that it did to Mary. It generates fear. It generates anxiety. Why? Because we have to let go of our plan to embrace God's plan. And that makes us a bit uncomfortable. So, so why, are we, why are we afraid of God's plans? This is what I believe. I believe that God is good, therefore his plans always have to be for my good. They can't be bad. They have to be good. So why are we afraid? Why is there this fear when God calls an audible in our lives for our family? Let me give you three reasons really quick this morning. The first is this. God interruptions are often inconvenient. In other words, they stretch you. It's outside of maybe what you would think is is normal. And when we would we would call it in community, they require a, a change of direction or or course correction. I mean, think about Mary. Think about what what might have been going on in her life. Think about what might might have been going on in her mind. Now we don't know exactly how old she was, but according to the culture of the day, Mary was probably fourteen, fifteen, maybe sixteen years of age. So what we know in the Jewish culture, once a young woman was past puberty at that point the parents would choose who's going to be her future husband so so think about a 15 year old 16 year old teenager think about all of the emotions that mary would have been experiencing at this point i mean like on on one side she's like wow this is so unbelievable can you imagine god's chosen me what an honor and then there's this huge swing of emotions like wow What's everyone going to think? What's this going to mean? What about Joe? What about my plans? How's this going to play out? I think she was kind of like experiencing this whole thing playing out. Here, here's Mary. She has her plans all set. And then God interrupts her plans with an invitation and I don't believe the invitation was really convenient for her life. Was it good? Absolutely. Was it good for humanity? Absolutely. Was it convenient? I don't believe so. And what we often see as interruptions, God calls invitations to be a part of something that will be life-giving, will be life-giving for us, will be life-giving for others. You know, oftentimes when God interrupts us, he, He's actually inviting us 
to something that's higher and something that's better. But there can still be an element of fear. Again, what are you having to do? You're having to let go of your plans to embrace God's plans. I mean, we see this. We see this process throughout Scripture where God interrupts people's lives. I mean, there's a track record here. What does God do? He interrupts people's lives. Why? Because He knows He has greater purpose, greater potential, greater plans. I mean, let me just give you a few examples. I mean, there's Moses. Moses was a shepherd, and he's out taking care of sheep, and God interrupts his life with a burning bush. And calls him to be the deliverer of his people. And for Moses, if you read the story, there was a bit of fear. God interrupts Jonah in the midst of an exercise routine as he's swimming through the water with a great big fish. And redirects his life back to what he had called him to do. To preach repentance to the Ninevites. If you look to the New Testament, we have Peter and Andrew who were fishermen. Most likely their grandfather was a fisherman. Their father was a fisherman. They're thinking about this family fishing business. And Jesus comes strolling along and says, Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did he do? He interrupted their lives. See, the same thing with Paul. I mean, we have before Paul, his name was Saul. He was out killing Christians. And God intervened in his life, interrupted his life with this bright light on the road to Damascus, and and Saul became Paul, the great apostle who wrote like most of the New Testament. Listen, God has a tendency of interrupting the mundane existence of our lives to lift us up, to call us up to a greater invitation. It's the way he works. I know it's true for my own life. My plan was this. My plan was to be a farmer. My great-grandfather was a farmer. He actually pioneered the land for generations now where the Lemmings family has been. My great-grandfather was a farmer. My grandfather was a farmer. My dad was a farmer slash preacher. And my plan was to be a farmer. When I was 17 years old, just out of high school, I bought my first house in 10 acres. I was getting it started. I was going to be a farmer. That was my plan. And then guess what? God interrupted my plan. He said, I've got a different assignment for you. And here I am today. And I'm telling you, it's so much greater and so much better. I could have, listen, if I had given an opportunity to write the script, I couldn't have written the story that God's allowed me to live. But it required this. He had to interrupt my plans so he could bring me to a different assignment. This is my challenge to you this morning. Embrace the interruption. Embrace the interruption that God... Remember, tell your neighbor, embrace the interruption. It's an assignment for God to do something greater in your life. Here's a second reason we're afraid of God's plan. And I believe it's this. God's purpose is often, often different than your plan. Again, oftentimes we make our plans as best we know. I mean, we are limited in our understanding, right? God's unlimited, and we're lim- we don't know what the future holds. So obviously we are limited, but as best we can, we make the plans that we think are going to be good for us, for our family. But oftentimes God has a different purpose for our lives. And again, we see this in Mary's story. She had set her plans, then the angel Gabriel reveals God's purpose. If you look back to verse 31, Gabriel says, And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and 
You'll name him Jesus and he'll be great and he'll be called Son of the Most High. Well, Mary had her plan. Future, going to get married to Joseph. This is where we're going to live. We're going to have kids. It's going to be great. Joseph's a carpenter, a carpenter by trade. We kind of know what life's going to be like. Here's our plan. And all of a sudden, God, God interrupts it. No, I have a different purpose, and my purpose is greater. It's greater than your plan. Now, I believe the same happens in our lives. Oftentimes, we plan to what we know, what God's planning according to the potential He's placed in our lives and the purpose He has for our lives. And, and I don't know, I don't know how this will play out in your life, but when God interrupts you with an invitation to do something else, you're going to discover that His purposes are different than your plan. And it's not bad, it's good. It may be, maybe this is how it plays out, it may be that you dreamed of having a perfect, healthy family. But God had a different purpose and He blessed you with a child that's born with disabilities. And you're wrecked by it. And you're saying, God, why me? Why not them? Why did this happen? Why to us? And what you don't know is God has a greater purpose that He's working in your life. And He's going to teach you to love as you've never known how to love. And He's going to teach you things that you would have not learned in any other way. I had a lady who left after second service who said, Hey, I was the one that God blessed me with a disabled child. And she said, I thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen. But now 30 years later, I can tell you it's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Oftentimes... But God's purpose is different than our plan. Let's say this might happen, and I've seen it happen before. An individual loses their job and they're wrecked. They're all messed up. Like, God, what, where are you at? What's happening? How am I going to provide for my family? What are we going to do? And you, because you have no other option, in the back of your mind there's been this business idea. And because you have no other options, you, you launch the business idea, and it becomes very successful and some time later in your life, you look back and say, Oh my goodness, what I thought was a curse was actually a blessing. Now, oftentimes, God's purpose is, is different. Different than our plan. Or possibly there's a couple who thinks that they're finished having children, like the quiver's full. I have two pastor friends who... They thought their quiver was full, that they were finished with children. They so thought they were finished with children, they made sure, or they thought they made sure they would not have any more children on the male side of things, if you know what I mean. And then, boom, surprise, they're pregnant. And I think it's so funny. They wasn't laughing, I was laughing. And they had their plan, and it was so neat. Three kids, a dog, a cat. Oh, this is wonderful. And God said, oh, i got a greater purpose. You think you've stopped things up. I'm getting ready to open things up. <laughs> you know, oftentimes, God's purpose is greater than our plans because He knows the potential He has for us, and He knows the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Oftentimes, folks, we think small, we pray small, and God says, oh, I've got so much for, more for you, but to get you there, I'm going to have to interrupt your plan. 
He's going to make you uncomfortable in the process. It's going to be a bit inconvenient. But again, God is good in his plans always for our good. It was good for Mary, obviously good for humanity. And God's purpose for your life will be good. I love the scripture in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I need to remind myself of it ever so often. It's where God says this, this is God speaking to us. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me tell you this morning, I don't, I don't care where you're at, what season you're in, this is what I can tell you, I guarantee you, God has greater thoughts and greater plans for your life. You say, well, I'm pretty comfortable right here. Listen, God has greater plans greater thoughts for you. Embrace. Embrace the interruption. Here's the third reason, really quick. The third reason, well, I think we're afraid of God's plans, and it's this. God's plans are greater than what we can accomplish on our own. In other words, they're bigger than us, though they scare us to death. We look at the opportunity, and then we look at who we are and the talents we think we have, the resources we think we have, and we say, I can't do that. And then we get anxious, and fear sets in because we think, well, I could never do that. And listen, God's not expecting you to do it. He's just expecting you to show up. And then he's going to work it through your life. But oftentimes, God assignment, because they're bigger than us, bigger than life, again, it, it generates fear within us. Again, we see this in Mary's story. When, when Gabriel brings this amazing message that she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God, notice this is what Mary asks. How would this be for I am a virgin? In other words, this is what Mary's saying to Gabriel. Virgins don't have babies. doesn't happen. Impossible. And that's when Gabriel, notice in verse 37, Gabriel says, but Mary, all things are possible with God. In other words, if God is working in you and for you, he will bring his plan to fruition. And then Mary says, may it be unto me, I'm your servant. But again, oftentimes, oftentimes there's this fear factor that can become a lid, that can become a limiting factor, that can be like a, a rope that ties us down because the opportunity that God's inviting us into, the interruption he's bringing, seems like so much bigger than us. Again, God has a track record of calling ordinary individuals to opportunities that are far beyond their human ability. And this is going to make you uncomfortable, but it's true. God's not going to just call you to something you can do because what you'll do is you'll do it on your own. He calls you to something that's greater than you, so you have to depend on Him. And that's not a bad place to be. That's a good place to be. When God invites you into his plan, always remember this. If you have your own Bible, not the pew Bible, but your own Bible, write this phrase on the inside flap of your Bible. Here it is. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. 
In other words, when God interrupts you and invites you into a plan that's greater than you could ever dreamt possible, listen, it's not up to you to make it happen. It's God who makes it happen. What's your part? Your part is simply being obedient. Again, Mary asked the question of Gabriel, how can this be? And Gabriel basically says, Mary, don't be worried about the outcome. All things are possible with God. He's you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This virginity thing is not an issue for God. Gabriel said, Mary, God will take care of the outcome. Your part's obedience. And Mary says again in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Again, never forget, outcome is God's responsibility Obedience is your responsibility. Again, I don't, I don't know how this is going to play out for you, but there's going to come a time when God asks you to trust Him as He interrupts your plans with an opportunity, and it's going to generate a little fear. But again, your part is simply obeying His direction. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe He's inviting you. The Holy Spirit's prompted you concerning leading a small group, a life group, and you're thinking, oh, I could never do that. Where would we host it if we don't have room in our home? Listen, don't worry about the outcome. The outcome's not your responsibility. What's your responsibility? Obedience. And maybe, maybe God's calling you to tithe, and, and, you, and you look at your financial situation, and you think, well, that could never be possible. We have such a mess here. How could we ever honor God with the tithe? And I would say to you this morning, again, outcome is not your responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. Their God is the God of all provision. Or maybe God's inviting you to be a foster parent, and you're thinking, well, we already have three children, and that's enough, and how would we ever care for a fourth or a fifth, and how would we do that? And and I don't know how. I I just know your part's not to figure it out. Your part's to obey. Your, Your part's to step into the interruption And God meets you in that. God's part is is the outcome. I know even for myself this morning, 7.15, I I, I prayed this prayer, 7.15 this morning. I said, God, I'm going to stand on a platform today, and I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to bring the best I can bring said, God, I just need to remind you that the outcome is yours. Now, not that he needed to be reminded. I needed to be reminded that God was going to take care of the outcome. But what's my part? My part is, is to show up. My part's to be obedient as to what God's saying and doing. Listen, I can't heal a marriage. Only God can do that. I can't transform my life. Only God can do that. I can't do miracles. Only God can do that. What's my part? My part is to show up, to be obedient. That's your part. And in that one, God does far more than we would ever think possible. He brings us to greater levels of effectiveness and greater experiences. Why? Because we showed up. We made ourselves available. That's what Mary did. She said, here I am, your servant. May it be as you said. And then God impregnated her by the Holy Spirit. And what was born was redemption for mankind.
See, what we learned from Mary today is that we don't have to be afraid when God interrupts our plans and he calls an audible for our lives. Not only is God good, but his plans and his purposes are always for our good, even if we can't see it or don't fully understand it. And most of the time, can I tell you, most of the time you won't understand it. That's why it's called a faith journey. We're following God. I have all the answers. No, I don't have all the answers. But again, I don't have to. I'm not responsible for the outcome. What am I responsible for? Obedience. That's my role. My part is is to show up. That's your part. And again, as we show up, God does what only He could do in and through our lives. Listen, this is our confidence today. God is with us and God's for us. As he's interrupting our lives, we have great hope. What's the great hope? Is that God's going to do the work. He's going to work in us and through us. What The greater purpose is greater plans. So I encourage you this morning to embrace, to embrace the interruption. Don't allow fear to become the limiting factor in your life. And always remember... Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning. God, for your great work in our lives. God, forgive us for thinking small, planning small, for existing in such a mundane way when you've created us for greater. That's what I believe. For every individual in the room today, God, you've placed greater potential. You have greater plans. When you interrupt us with an invitation, may we not run from it. May we run to it. May we not allow fear to be that limiting factor that would rob us of the opportunity. But Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray for everyone in the room that we would embrace the interruption as an invitation. And Lord, as we do our part, which is obedience, we're going to be amazed as you do your part, which is the outcome. Lord, may we be full of faith and full of courage. Like Mary, may we be willing to say, Here I am, God, your servant. Be it to me as you have said. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly you're today in a place where you know the Holy Spirit's been nudging you, been prompting you. Maybe it's been going on for months, maybe it's weeks, or maybe it's just today, but you know that God has been interrupting your life. And there's a point of fear that's kept you from embracing the invitation. I want to pray with you and and pray for you today that you would have the courage to step up to that place of obedience. That you would have the courage to embrace the the interruption as an opportunity. Hear me. I believe that God has greater purpose, greater plan. But again, it's at times inconvenient. At times you're going to be uncomfortable. At times quite honest friend you're going to be scared to death but again remember God's responsibility is the outcome your responsibility is obedience 
But if you're in that place today and and you've been avoiding the interruption, I want to pray with you and pray for you that today would be a defining moment in your life where you would come to a place that Mary was at where she said, I'm your servant. I don't fully understand it all, but I'm your servant. May it be unto me as you have said. If you're here today and that's you, I just want to pray for you really quick. You know God's been nudging you with an interruption and you've been running from it, not running to it. The main floor in the balcony, is it? Is there anyone? Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, I see that hand. Come on. It's okay to be honest. It's not like you're hiding anything from God. He's been chasing you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Lord, I pray this morning for my friends, Lord, who've been avoiding the interruption as you've been inviting them into something that's a bit scary. And because it's scary, they've been avoiding it instead of embracing the interruption. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that this would be a defining moment, that courage would rise within them, that they would have faith, Lord, that they would understand that their part is not to make it happen. Their part is simply to obey. It's to take that first step. And then that second step. I pray that they would have the courage to embrace the interruption. And Lord, it's going to be amazing the outcome you're going to bring in their lives and for their lives. And God, I just thank you that you love us so much you won't leave us to our mundane existence. But you call us to greater plans and to greater purpose. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.